Welcome to Impact, where we focus on helping you grow a business that amplifies your unique genius, multiplies your income, and transforms lives. Each episode, you'll discover an actionable framework based on what's working right now for top brands and thought leaders. On this episode, we talk about the three ecosystems that affect the ongoing success of your business and how to increase customer lifetime value with the step up, step down business model and how to gain more prospects with the Emotional Journey website map. Hello, friends, and thank you again for joining me on another episode of Impact. I am your host, Jason Van Orden, business strategist to thought leaders. I help you turn your intellectual equity into new streams of scalable income and help you reach more of the people you are uniquely equipped to serve. My mission is to help more empathetic and purpose-driven entrepreneurs and thought leaders like you to grow a business that truly supports and expands the work that you love to do. And in that spirit, I'm thrilled today to share with you a conversation with Jeffrey Shaw, a good friend of mine. Jeff's written two books. The first one was called Lingo, which is all about how to discover the hidden language of your market and use that in an authentic way to resonate deeply with them. His latest book, The Self-Employed Life, talks about the three ecosystems that are required that you need to be familiar with and operate in in order to create sustainable business success. I've had many opportunities over burgers and fries to sit down with Jeff and listen to his stories about he, how he studied luxury brands and analyzed buyer psychology to crack the code for selling to New York City's affluent and become their go-to photographer year after year. Not only has he spent many decades as a high-end successful photographer, but also he's become a top business coach, a speaker, and a podcaster, which is just a further testament to the hard-earned experience that he shares in his book, The Self-Employed Life, and with us in his interview today. If you want to see visual branding done right for the small business owner, the solopreneur, the coach, the consultant, Certainly, Jeff is somebody to watch because it's something that he has dialed in. As you can imagine, a successful photographer has a good eye for these things. And it's been a lot of fun to watch his latest visual branding unfold as he's prepared for the launch of his book. I also love how Jeff's mind thinks about creating experiences that turn clients and customers into loyal advocates and longtime partners. Be prepared to take lots of notes. I am thrilled to share with you my conversation with Jeffrey Shaw. It is my very big pleasure to welcome my friend Jeffrey Shaw to the show. How are you doing there, Jeff? Hey, Jason. I'm glad to be here with you. So I like to start out, if I can, if I have a good story about how I met the person I'm interviewing, I think it's fun to give a little context like that. Uh, we met on an airplane, which is strange because of two things. Number one, I never talk to people on airplanes. <laughs> I'm kind of an introvert like that. And number two, you happen to be sitting in the middle seat, which means you're next to me in the window seat and you never sit in the middle seat. So never. something was conspiring for us to meet that day coming back from the podcasting conference we were had been at. And I remember pulling out the book Ask by Ryan Levesque that had just come out. So, you know, it's checking it out, right? Everyone's reading it, seeing what uh, wisdom I could glean from it. And you recognize that and started up a conversation with me. But maybe you can fill in a few details from your end of how that all came together. Yeah. And to your point, like I never sit in the middle seat. I, something went wrong with the flight and I got stuck in the middle seat. For as much as I travel, I'm never going to sit in the middle. And like you, I never speak to people. Like that's my downtime. Right. Um, but I think what's so valuable in this is such a, this is why I told the story in my book, Lingo, is because there's a business lesson in this. And not just a business. I think there's a life lesson in this, but mm. it, can, it can be leveraged in business. And that is the power 
of recognition. So mm. because honestly, I would never have spoken to you if it hadn't been that book. What happened was while I was at the podcasting convention, my team let me know that they had booked Ryan to be a guest on my podcast. And, you know, he's he's a pretty good sized name. So it was a good get, but I didn't know anything about his work, honestly. And I just knew he had book him out. So the only reason that book even stood out is because it was just, it was just implanted in my brain a day or two before, you know, and that's the power, that's the power of the story to me. It's like, we actually have so much, it's actually the, the entire basis of the lesson of, of my book, the self-employed life is that when we're self-employed for that matter, just life in general is out of control. Right? There's very little we have control. Life is uncontrollable. The one thing we can set that we can have control over in business is the environment that we create for the results we want. We can't control the activities of the world, but we can control the environment we set up. And what that does is it's called, it's called scientifically, it's called brain priming. Like, so by setting up the environment, just like implanting that book in my brain, you're far more likely to see the results. You're far more likely to recognize what it is that's on your mind if you put it in your mind. Mm -hmm. That's the power of that, that moment to me, which is why I was so, you know, and you and I have become friends now for years because mm -hmm. of that moment mm -hmm. of you pulling out a book that two days earlier would have meant nothing to me. Right. But it meant something to me because it was put into my brain. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so great. And so uh, you mentioned your your new book here, Self-Employed Life, which is one of the reasons I want to bring you on the show and, and talk to you about it. And anybody who listens to this show knows I'm a big fan of frameworks, creating them and sharing them and uh, helping people apply them to their business. And you've got some wonderful frameworks in the book. Um, I was, you know, I've been reading through it and was just reviewing it this morning. And the whole thing is organized really, really well around a framework that you refer to as the trifecta. Um, I can't remember if you have an exact name for it. It was like the trifecta for success in business. So maybe let's start there because it'll give people a nice overview. But I also think that it's such, it's a powerful yet simple, which I think is the best kind of framework, right? Powerful yet simple way of looking at succeeding in life and in business. Yeah. And it does have a simplicity to it. So I refer to it as the self-employed ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So the ecosystem has these three main parts, which are personal development, business strategies, daily habits, and mindsets. So three big buckets, if you will, that make up this ecosystem. The simplicity is in thinking about your business as an ecosystem, because if you equate that to an ecosystem in business, what we realize is that as in nature, if one thing is off in the ecosystem, it can throw off everything. Right. So if you know the ocean water is being too warm or killing off the Great Barrier Reef here in Miami, we have these invasive python snakes, which are enormous, <laughs> invading the Everglades. Right. And, and so they they are you won't believe I mean, every night it's on the news like they have python catching teams that are going into the Everglades are trying to get these pythons out of the Everglades because wow. they're, they're eating natural habitants mm -hmm. of the Everglades and destroying the um, and, and by the way, these pythons are beyond big like it's frightening <laughs> they can eat. They, they're capable of eating humans i mean they're just enormous so um but that's the point of if we, if we think if simply think about your business as an ecosystem you then step up to take responsibility for making sure that all parts are working and it's and i hate to be a, a, a hard ass on this right because there's a lot of things you know we're conditioned in life to to acknowledge our strengths and weaknesses and that's well and good in most areas of life but not when it comes to have a healthy, thriving business, because all the parts need to be working well, or let's say that how well they work is proportionate to the success you can, you can expect from it. So if you want to 
go next level. If you want to step up, have a more thriving business, what I do is find the gap in the ecosystem. And mm. there's always one. So that's the idea of the self-employed ecosystem is to kind of bucket it down to these three main parts, personal development, business strategies, daily habits, and mindsets. Each have a purpose. Purpose, uh, personal development serves the purpose of increasing your capacity for the mm. success that you want. So right. that when you, all that action, you know, we entrepreneurs, we innately put forth a lot of action. We, we apply a lot of business strategies. The problem is we haven't created the inner capacity, our own mindsets. We wind up working against ourselves. We don't create the inner capacity for the, all that action to fit into it. And then we need daily habits and mindsets that are consistent and steady in small bites. You know, it's not like it's a lot of time, but you know, if you equate it to weight loss, it's healthier to lose a pound or two a week over the long haul than all at once. Well, the daily habits and mindsets are like that. It's the, the right. practices that you maintain on an ongoing basis that create the sustainability because life is uncontrollable. Being in business is uncontrollable, but you don't want to be derailed. And that's the power of daily habits. Yeah, this this idea of of ecosystem, because it's it's so easy for me to get down on myself when things maybe don't go quite the way that I want, but whether it's a product launch or whether it's a marketing campaign or just like an outreach or a partnership I was hoping to happen. And there's so many variables and, and we like to internalize when things don't go our way and go like, well, there's must be something wrong with me. There must be something that I'm, I'm flawed in, in my, when there's so many things that might affect the thing that's happened, but what you can control is the environment. You do the best. And if you can say, look, I, I set up the environment the best I could. Great. If not, you can look at the environment and go, well, what's the hole? So that next time it increases the chances of getting the outcome that I want um, over time. And and I think it's a much more self-compassionate way to look at things for one. Yep. But it's very strategic too, because it just gives you that simple way of like checking out, okay, well, like where where's the where's the Python that needs to be removed or where's the, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. I'm gonna do that as a YouTube video. Where's the Python <laughs> where's that needs to be Python? removed? That's intriguing. But that's I love one. that you're first of all, I love that you use the word self-compassion. I wish I had thought of that because that's how I look at this. I mean, if you, mm. if you create the environment for the results you want and give it your all and, and have the support and help and the knowledge, right? If you gain the knowledge that you need to set up the right environment and what, and all that encompasses that, if it doesn't work out. So first of all, by doing that, I think you're giving yourself a 95% chance of success. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work out, can you really blame yourself? Mm -hmm. Right? That's the self-compassion part that I think is important. I also love that you refer to as a whole, I call it a gap because I tell you, Jason, the older I get, I've been in business for 36 years and it seems like more and more, I think the answer to not most business problems is a gap, uh. right? So I often refer to the value gap, like every no that you get in business, every no that a customer, you know, gives you pushback on is because you haven't closed the value gap. Mm -hmm. You haven't made the client see that the value is equals or exceeds the cost, right? There's always right. a gap. What's the value gap? What's the, you know, so what we're looking for here is what's the gap, the hole in your ecosystem that is causing you to, you know, put in a lot of effort, feel like you're a hamstring wheel running, but it's not, you're not getting anywhere, mm -hmm. right? We want to look at what's missing. What's the, what's the gap that will, that will close that and solve that problem.
And I guess it's, it's good to recognize, I mean, sometimes that gap is something we can improve in ourselves and learn about ourselves. And sometimes it's just the environment changed. I mean, that happens in, you know, ecosystems mm-hmm. out in the world, right? I mean, we're having climate change, for instance, right. that is affecting ecosystem markets change, people's goals change. When COVID came, I was like, you need to go find the new gap that just showed up in all of your clients and customers, because that's how you're going to survive is by finding wh- what they need now with a new gap. Right, that just showed up. So I love yeah. that. That's, that's a really great way to, to look at is like, where's, uh, where's the gap? Yeah. Um, so with these three, is, is there, do you, is, is there a certain order that you would, that you would look at them? Is there, uh, you know, a, a way that they, or do you just look at them like a, a Venn diagram? Like what is the kind of the relationship between these, these three pieces that make up the self-employed ecosystem? Yeah. So the contextual framework that I provide is is in fact a, a Venn diagram. Um, however, as you know, you know it's like as a leader yourself, we often have to teach things linearly, but mm-hmm. we don't experience life linearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there, yes, there is a way. Um, so in the book, I teach it. it the way it's laid on the book is personal development, right? Under the idea that your success is proportionate to the capacity that you have built in yourself for your success. And by capacity, yeah. I mean, you know, getting out of your own limited thinking, being more abundance mindset, mindset than scarcity mindset, uh, being really clear on what you want to get away from. Like there's tons of exercises that I, that I provide in the book and I, I coach my clients in per- person to encourage, you know, to increase the capacity. All right. So we work with, and so in theory, we need to work on the capacity first, personal development. So that then I can teach tons of business strategies and people can apply all the action, right? But we've done the personal work to make the action stick. And then, you know, I in the book, I teach about the daily habits and mindsets, <clears throat> which are supportive. I'm going to hold everything up. Now, the reality is when I'm actually working with my clients and I do this, uh, I have a three month program, we actually start with the daily habits. The only reason being is that it's the hardest thing for people to stick to. So I actually, we go, we go there first so that I'm holding their hand for three months while we're working together to make sure that those habits become ingrained. So by the Uh end of our three month work together. So in that sense, you know, I could say it's personal development, business strategies and daily habits, but nothing in life is that linear. Right. And once you're in business for yourself, all this is happening at the same time. Um, I think, you know, certainly any your audience, we're all, we all tend to be really heavy in the action side. Like there's not a lot that, I mean, we tend to be highly motivated, willing to get into action. Although, you know, what I, what I present in the book are some of the very, the specific business strategies, things like hug marketing, the emotional journey, um, these the reason I'm teaching these is because they're right size for small employed self-employed businesses and small Mm -hmm. businesses. And that I think is another problem. Like it's one thing to be in action and applying strategy, but you have to find, is it, is it a relationship based, not transactional based because most self-employed businesses are relationship based. Mm -hmm. And yet most of the world is transaction based. So if you're taking lessons from the outside business world, you have to question whether it is it building relationships in your business or it's feeling transactional to the people you want to serve. Right. Right. So that's what I mean about right size. Like there are different. So let's give a specific example. How often in business do we see a business offer a new deal, a better price to new customers only? 
really common. Right. I get the marketing ploy behind it, but you know what? That's the worst thing you can do if you're in a relationship-based business because you've just pissed off everybody who has actually built your business. So I actually, so one of the things I talk about is actually reversing that. Every business that's relationship-based should have some sort of a loyalty program in it, hopefully more than just a punch card, <laughs> but something right. that actually is meaningful to the clients that they have no idea about until they become a client. So it's not used in marketing. It is not... It's not leveraged. It's not an asset. It is something they absolutely do not find out about until they become a customer. And that in itself, by letting them know of it, is like letting them in a secret club. Mm. And that's so, the that, difference between a relationship-based business. Do you, do you have any, I really like this concept. Do you have an example of either one that you do or a client does of, of having this, this relational thing and it, it ends up being like that, that surprise, but it's also kind of a solidifying, you know, value-based going to extend the relationship with the, yeah. which is the basis of your hug marketing idea in the book. Um, anyway, an example would be, yeah. would be awesome. So I'll give you two quick ones. Uh, well, the first one's quick. The first one is in my own coaching practice. So I have a, you know, now, now I'm like putting it out there, but I'm not leveraging this to get clients, but <laughs> um, it's hard not to talk about though. But I have a coaching group called the self-employed life group, mm -hmm. which only previous clients are allowed into. Mm. Right. And that's because of the work I do tends to be pretty fast action. Like I have, you know, two month programs, three months. I do one-to-one -one coaching over longer term as well. Um, but I work with a lot of people on a two to three month basis to solve a specific problem. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's what people want nowadays. They want to get in, they want tangible results. They want a tangible, they want a promise. They want tangible results. Okay. The problem is, is that everybody needs support and accountability. Everybody needs sustainability. Yeah. So um, I love the fact that I'm able to get in there in three months and completely make sure a, a business owner has the complete self-employed ecosystem. I love that I can do that. The problem is after three months, I, I feel like I'm letting them go. So I created this self-employed life group, which is, you know, only for people that have previously been a client and people from all different industries. And the whole goal is to keep them on, keep them on track. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. The second way, which I think is even more powerful, and I have yet to find anything that matches this. And this is how it's so good in my photography business. So in my photography business, we created what was called the priority client prepay offer. And this is how it worked. My clients, by the way, are primarily, um, you know, they're Wall Street folks. So they get their big money in February, March. That's when they get their bonuses. Mm. So every February, you know, I kind of time it around when I think they're getting their bonuses. So every, let's say February, I allow my clients to pay a deposit towards a future portrait session. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we add a little money to the, um, you know, just to credit their account, an extra $500. Um, but that's not the biggest impetus. The reason they choose it, they choose that route is because it gets it off their to-do list mm. by putting down the deposit. And again, these people have discretionary income, but it's so perfectly aligned with them. I also, for most of my photography career, not so much now, cause I'm doing far less, but for most of my photography career, I had about an eight week waiting list, huh. the, right? The, here's the problem that we're talking about relationship based. The people that stuck by me to build my business were now being told to wait eight weeks for an appointment. That's not mm. okay. Mm -hmm. So to solve that, I created this priority prepay, prepay priority client prepay offer. So when they let me know in February that they want a, a session in October, for example, we contact them 10 to 12 weeks ahead of time. So we keep our best clients ahead of the wait list. Mm -hmm. All right. That's why they laid down the money. They laid down the money a year in advance or several months in advance 
because they liked that we just took it from there. They didn't have to worry. They were, they were going to get their 10 a.m. Saturday appointment when their kids mm -hmm. are available that they wanted because we kept them ahead of any marketing that was happening to the public. Now, they only once they became a client, I delivered their first order and I said, well, just so you know, the next time we work together, here is an added benefit by being a client that you wouldn't know about until we work together. So now they just have been welcomed into a special club. They have privilege. It also, you know, it's, I think it's largely responsible as to why I had clients year after year, because it was just presumptive language. Like, Hey, we're going to work together next year. So here's a solution. Right. Right. So something so really just, you have to do something that acknowledges their, like I said, more than a punch card. Cause a punch card is like, you know, buy five coffees, get the six one free. Eh, you know, that's minimal of what you should do. But I don't know about you, but I mean, have you ever had that feeling that, you know, you, you frequent a business off enough and you're kind of like, Hey, when are you going to throw me a bone here? Some kind of privilege it doesn't have to be money. Right. But when you recognize you've contributed a fair amount to a business, you kind of want something in return eventually. Right. And feel like it's a two-way relationship, right? And right. This, this goes along so well with something that uh, we talked about recently on my show, which is, you know, there's really ultimately three ways to grow a business. You can get more leads, you can convert more of those leads into customers, or you can extend the lifetime value of every customer you work with and, you know, value both money you make, but also value deliver to them over time. And that's a great strategy that falls right in that customer lifetime value, um, you know, way to, to boost and, and grow your, your business. Because these are the people, like you said, the most loyal and all of the statistics tell us, you know, those are the people that are most likely to spend with us again, to spend even more money the next time they spend with us and to stay as long as you take care of them. And that's really got my, um, uh, my wheels turning on, on some things that I could do for my own, you know, past clients, existing clients. And the, I know another thing you touch on, because you just gave actually really, because you touch on product suite as well in your, in your book, and you just gave a great roadmap. I mean, if you think of it, it's like, you talked about your two, and I'm sure this is how you're structured it per, uh, intentionally, right? You have your, your upfront offer, which is like these highly targeted two, three month thing, get in there, solve a problem for them. It's easy for somebody to go, yes, I need that. That's worth the value you're charging for it. I would love to have that done and let's do it. Right. Yeah. And then afterwards it's like, well, now the relationships in place, what continued support Correct. or access or maintenance or whatever, you know, would be valuable to them. Yeah. Um, and then now you've got your, maybe it's a recurring offer or maybe, right. And, and sometimes it might be, you know, even something that you, you do freely in order just to keep top of mind and have them referring people to you and stuff too. But um, the upfront offer, and it might be two or three, even depending on those big problems that you solve here. And then this, uh, th this kind of surprise thing that they can only have if they've done one of these other yeah. things. With you it, what I offer in the book, I refer to in the book as the step up, step down business model. Mm -hmm. You know, so often businesses are in a step up model, constantly upgrading clients, co constant customer acquisition. But hey, you know, if you compare it to a gourmet meal, you have an appetizer, first course, second course. Hey, and guess what? There's a step down, a dessert and a cocktail. <laughs> right. So there's a peak moment, but there's a step down. So what, what I, what I teach is a step up, step down business model where people can come in at different points and there's always a place for them to go up. There's a place for them to come down mm. like this group. It's relatively inexpensive, quite honestly. It's a disproportion. I mean, the value for this group is way beyond the cost, mm -hmm. but it's because it's just extending the life cycle. I also genuinely, genuinely, genuinely can't say it enough. 
really care that nobody falls off the bandwagon after I have helped them change their business. So right. I just, I'm not ready to let go. Like I'm a, that's where I'm like a papa bear. It's like, I'm not ready to let you go. I'm going to keep you in. So let's make this so affordable. Um, but you know what? They stay there for six months. Then they might circle back around and say, you know what? I'd like to step up to one-to-one coaching, the highest investment. So now they circle. So this, it's this flow, this step up, step down. You know, I statistically can't, because I've never done the research, I statistically can't tell you exactly what the life cycle is for my clients. It's got to be a good year and a half. Uh, but I will tell you this, in the 12 years I've been coaching people, I am in touch with every person I have ever coached over 12 years. Like wow. nobody has fallen off my back because the ne- the biggest step down is, hey, I no longer, usually the reason somebody falls out of working with me is because their business grew to the point that they they don't have time. They need a break in time. But we're still friends on Facebook. We're still messaging. I'm still texting them. I if people call, I had a rule going into COVID. I made a strict rule with myself, which was if I, I knew going into COVID that I had a, a lot of capacity, in part because this was my third rodeo. I've been through 9-11. I've been through the Great Recession. I knew this was big. I knew this was going to last a lot longer than the original predictions. And I knew we'd be okay. Mm. Right? So... I had a different perspective because I've been in business long enough to see, to get a sense of this, but I made a rule to myself from right from the beginning that not everybody was going to have the strength and the capacity that I had. And because of that, if anybody popped into my mind, I was going to text them. And I did. So if anybody just pops in my mind, you know, the other day I was out walking and one of my clients, uh, a previous client who joined the group and immediately had to drop out because her mom had cancer come back. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's devoting all her time to mom. I'm out walking and she popped in my head, sent her a text. And she said, your timing is incredible because her, they just had a bad moment with her mom that, you know, some information was not favorable and she was destroyed at the moment that I happened to text her. Mm. And that stuff's not a coincidence to me, yeah. you know? So, you know, it's, I'm glad I've had the capacity to, to actually be there for other people as they go through these, these times. But well, here's yeah. what I think of with that little story there is we've talked about the three, the ecosystem and one of them is habits, right? And I imagine that's a habit that you have developed. It's like, if someone comes to mind, I'm going to reach out to them. And that's yeah. actually a habit in my later years in business. I've started doing as well because, uh, and sometimes it is going to be that very well-timed thing. And sometimes it's just like, Hey, you know, you came to mind and it's just, it's like, keep just keeping the, the, the in touch, right. Which just lead yeah. to, to good things. Uh, ultimately I feel like, so it just, I think that's a great example of a habit, right? That, yeah. That yeah. That's up. a good point. I hadn't thought about that way, but it's, you know, there's a life cycle to when clients are providing an income, but there's a life cycle to the relationship, yeah. you know? Um, and, and for me, the life cycle for the relationship is long. And I, the only thing I want to, I want to add backtrack a little bit, cause I think it's a real value sure. in what I love that you're, part of what you've been talking about in your show is this idea of extending life cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, the number one tip I would offer to anybody is what I refer to as presumptive language. Hmm. Talk to your clients from day one as if they are a forever client. Mm, I it. think there's more power in that than anything, right? I mean, just talking as if the next time as a photographer, when the first time somebody would reach out for my services, I'd go to their home to see how they're going, you know, I would go there to, to look at the setting because I'm photographing at their home, help them with the clothing. But I always walked around the house with the decision makers and I would find a wall and I would say something along the lines of how do you envision this wall being decorated with portraits for the next 10 years? Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. I've just, 
What a great, right. It's presumptive language. Like, Hey, guess what? Now that you've called me once, we're in it for the long haul. I'm here for you for 10 years. Yeah. You're just assuming it's like, I want to take your pictures. I'm going to take your pictures the next 10 years. Let's (laughs) start planning now. Yep, exactly. And to the point that, to that point, I would even, if if it was the first time I was working with somebody and they had three, four kids, they'd be photographing at a certain age, like, you know, 16 or 18 years old. I would say, you know, let's order all four frames now because I can't guarantee over the next 10, 12 years that frame's not going to be discontinued, right? So it was presumptive every step of the way. And it also, I think energetically, I also, when you show up that committed for your clients, like they're, you're just assuming you're going to work with them. You're clearly intending on doing an unbelievably good job for them, or you wouldn't be making that assumption. Right. I'm chuckling a little bit inside at your buying frames and advancing because I think we ran into each other haphazardly in New York City once. And I believe you had a bag of frames you were carrying to take to somebody. I might be remembering wrong, but I, be, I think that happened. Like It would not at all surprise me. I was like, oh, hey, Jeff. I mean, you know, we've happened in this, and you're like, oh, I've got this bag of frames. I'm <laughs> sure of it because I, I was schlepping all over New York City with photography equipment and frames and yeah, always, <laughs> a, lot of, always a lot of stuff with me. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, awesome. So I want to zero in. You've given a lot of great little frameworks and, and really great ideas. I, I love that step up, step down. I just want to say, you know, so often um, in coaching and consulting and digitally based product, you know, businesses and stuff, there's talk about this ascension model, right? Um, and it's, you know, you have the increasing price going up and, and, you know, there's nothing particularly wrong with that itself, but it gets almost taught like that's, that's the business model. Your, your product suite is just like, this goes this, this, and they go up and up and up and up a escalator. And if for some reason they stall, then they're probably off the escalator. Right. But you're proposing this, this approach to customer lifetime value that allows for really just a more natural relationship. I mean, any relationship with a really good friend, right. It's like, we might be in touch, but sometimes we're going to be closer and doing things. Sometimes we're a little bit, right. And, and, and sometimes we're going on vacation together. Cause it's like, Hey, we haven't seen each other in a while. Right. So it's yeah, that idea of like allowing for as that relationship or their needs, right, are, are, are waxing and waning and changing that they can come in and out. That is very comfortable. You've set up your product suite for them to be able to adjust that level of investment, involvement, whatever it might be. And I actually think it's brilliant that you have this very cost efficient for the value thing, because really your goal is sure you make some money off of it, but you're keeping them around and happy and referring and coming. And the moment that they're like, oh, I need X, Y, Z. Jeff's got a three month program for that, right? Yeah. And so yeah. uh, it's yeah. all. It's funny. We can actually collapse. I'll sh- give another demonstration in my photography business that collapses kind of two ideas the step up, step down, um, and also the privilege of uh, a, a loyalty program. So, one thing we did in uh, my photography business is uh, I would only do portrait sessions for greeting cards alone once somebody became a client. Because it just wasn't enough money. I mean, you know, I I got paid a lot of money as a photographer. And although the greeting cards themselves are ridiculously expensive, I mean, they're very high-end custom cards, it wasn't profitable enough for a new client that I would just go shoot a session for somebody to buy greeting cards because it's a resale item. Right. But I would do it for past clients. So it was an added privilege, right? So once I photographed for your family and did beautiful portraits for the wall, Let's say the next year the kids haven't changed enough, but you do on an annual basis send out another a, a Christmas card every year, right? Or a holiday card. I don't want you going to somebody else. So I would do a session, a more brief session, more concise, show up, get that photograph that you need for your holiday card, take care of getting the holiday cards designed for you. So um, 
you know, and they were done. So it offered step up. It offered both a step up and step down because in a way that was a step down, it was far less of an investment for them. It wasn't as profitable for me, but kept them in my world and I kept them from going to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it was also a privilege that was only available once they worked with me. Yeah. Right. So oh. it kind of collapsed both things, which you can yeah. also do with your frameworks. Yeah, I love it. That's an example. Yeah, that brings it all all together there. So since this is a business strategy show, I was particularly, I mean, the whole the whole book is great, but I was particularly interested in the business strategy part, um, especially knowing that you were going to come on here. And uh, we, another thing we've talked about recently on the show here is the customer lifetime journey. And I gave uh, our yeah, cu customer um, yeah, customer journey. And so I, I have my own, um, you know, kind of phases that people, there are a lot of great ways to look at customer journey. I have some, you know, different phases of, of the buyer's decisions and stuff that they go through that we talked about. But then I, I came across also in your book, you've got your own uh, a, a own progression of these different steps that someone goes through and how to actually apply it to your website to create that, that journey. Um, I think it's one of the most important people, things people are going to be thinking about is like the experience they're providing and how they're guiding someone through a journey, whether they're in their email list and just going through an email sequence or whether it's, you know, they're you know, they, they happen to, to find your site and your site creates that journey for them, whether it's, hey, you're going to get on the phone with them and you know the journey you want to take them on in that half hour of a call, right? There's certain steps you want to get them through. So let's let's dive into that just um, a little bit. The, the, the framework that you've um, created here and it's... I'm, I'm going to go, I, maybe I'll go ahead and read off the, just the steps so people, people know, but this is the emotional journey website map. Um, and you and I've also talked about how this can be applied outside of a website, but we'll use that context here. So you've got opening scene, lead magnet, empowerment section, benefits section, process section, authority section, and then contact form, which is your call to action, uh, essentially. Right. So yep. let's, let's, let's dive into that. Let's break that down for, for everybody. What's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the. About so, give a little context to the contextual model. So, yeah. this is actually an, an extension of my previous book, Lingo, because Lingo is a brand messaging book, right? Mm -hmm. It is about establishing the brand message that speaks the lingo, the the unspoken emotions of your ideal customers in order to attract them, keep them, right? Um, once I wrote the book and it was out there, uh, several things happened. One is that I my concept became far more important than I realized once I, once the book was out there and I realized that, you know, the power of a website and brand messaging on a website is at its all time high. So for example, Forrester research group put out a report that said that your, um, your average consumer comes to the conclusion to hire you or choose your product 70% on the way before they've ever reached out to you. Yeah. Okay. So they have, they're 70% on their way of choosing you before you even know it. Okay, so my question is, where are they getting the information? Right. Most likely your website, right? So that to me, complete. I actually, I worked with a company and I told them they needed to rename uh, their sales department and just call it the closing department. Because, and I, I suggested that it's more energetically. I'm like, right. if, if we get your brand messaging so good that it's, it is the sales force, mm -hmm. what you're now calling salespeople are just closing the deal. Because really, if people are, have made a decision 70% of the way to hire you, you just have to not screw it up. Right. Right. So, um, for one, they, for that became really important to me. The second thing that became really important to me is this emotional journey. I realized because none of this is in my previous book. It's in now in my current book, the, the self-employed life. When I reiterate the importance of the emotional journey and, you know, you know me well enough to know that, I mean, I can be pretty strategic minded. You're far more strategic minded than I am. And that's, that's what your genius is, uh, which is why I lean on you when I need that type <laughs> of thinking. Um, but for me, it's like, I'm always, I'm always looking at the emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So on the, the actual framework that I provide, 
which is aligned with my model of lingo is I like to imagine, this sounds really creepy. I not even imagine. I like to control what I want people to be saying in their heads. Mm-hmm. Right. Create the environment for the results you want. Right. I go so far as imagining at every stage of the, a customer's journey, what do I want them saying in their head? Okay. So when people land, we're going to use the framework of a website, but it's applicable to, to really any things. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone lands on that website, what do they see first? They need to see dynamic imagery that has a, that's relatable to them. Okay. They need to say that could be me in that image. That could be my work environment. That could be a product I need. They need to see themselves in the image. And there needs to be what I call a standout statement, which is a mm. powerful, it's way more, a standout statement's way more than a headline or a slogan or a tagline. The difference is the standout statement is the result of knowing your ideal customer so well that when they read it, they feel like you're talking to them. And what I want them to be saying in their head is the moment they land on your website. Your goal is to get your your visitors to your web to say website to say immediately I'm in the right place. Yeah, because if they're not in the right place, they're going to hop. Mm-hmm. Okay, the moment so they need to see imagery that matches who they are in the world, how they see themselves in the world. They need to read a a, a standout statement that speaks to them so that they say, "Wow, I'm in the right place." Okay, they all, the next thing you want them saying when they read that standout statement and maybe a subtitle or subheadline underneath it is, "Oh, wow, you're speaking to me." Mm-hmm. My goal is to make sure that when a visitor to a website is saying, "Wow, you're speaking to me," not everybody. Me, because what, what do we know in business? No business is for everybody. So they need to feel like you're speaking to me. The next, the empowerment section, this is the gold. Okay. The empowerment, I call it the empowerment section in the emotional journey because this is when you're empowering people to choose you. Mm. You're creating the environment for them to choose you. So it's not willy-nilly. It's not, you're not surrendering control. You're creating the environment for them to choose you. So you've taken control of the results you want, but you're giving them the power to do so. Because the moment you tell somebody I'm number one in my field, they doubt it. The moment you tell somebody I'm trustworthy, they don't think they think you're not. The moment you tell somebody why they should choose you, they're not going to. Okay. Because the last thing people want today, and I say today because who knows what marketing is going to look like five years from now, but it has looked this way now for a good 10 years or so. We had, you want to empower people to choose you. The moment you take their power away, they run. Okay, so the empowerment section is about there's several techniques you can do. I one thing I work with is what I call self-identifying question, and that is posing the questions in your journey, the, the customer journey, posing the questions that you know to be in their head. Yeah. Because what I want them saying in their head is, wow, it's like you're in my head. Yeah. That you're done there. If you can, if you can be so relatable, your product or service can be so relatable and your brand voice. If it's so relatable to your ideal customer that they say, wow, it's like you're in my head, they will pay anything for that, Jason. Mm-hmm. Price is off the table then because that is like, to put it on the personal side, that's like being seen, yeah. <laughs> which is the ultimate goal for us humans. Right, everyone to, wants to feel, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to, as humans, we want to feel seen, heard, and understood. Yeah. So to get a customer through th- what you've presented, on you know stage three of their website for them to feel like wow it's like you're in my head they're hooked mm-hmm. that's when they have made 70 percent of the decision to hire you the rest of it is just validating that just why the next step is the benefits of your offer now you talk about I, I like to break this down like if they hire or buy from you 
how is it transformational to them? Just generally speaking. So I'm a coach, like how is coaching beneficial to hiring a coach? Okay. I haven't, I'm still not talking about myself. The second layer of that is once I've moved them to seeing the benefits of hiring a coach, now I want to talk about the benefits of hiring me specifically as the mm. coach. All right. Next step in the emotional journey is the, oh, by the way, in that benefits section, you want to create, that's what I call the craving section. Like you want to get them to feel like I need that. Yeah. Okay. That they, that's what you want them saying in their head. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. I need that. <laughs> you had me emotionally hooked. Now my brain is stepping in like, okay, I need that. Mm -hmm. The next thing they want to know is a little bit about your process, but very light so that they can say, okay, this is not your first rodeo. And I trust that you're the one to do this for me. And then the last thing is what I call the authority section, which is the, uh, that's when you let them know why you do what you do. You know, Simon Sinek, well-known for start with why brilliant, love the concept, but in marketing today, it's end with why, hmm. because start with why basically you're talking about yourself, right? If you notice in my, my emotional journey, and this is, this is where it applies to anything, whether it's blog posts, written content, website, the journey needs to be 70% about the person. Mm -hmm. that's reading it or visiting, they have to be 70% in, in order to be 70% confident to choose you before you started talking about yourself. Don't talk about yourself too soon, <laughs> right? That's why you end with why. And then of course, the very last thing, as you had mentioned, is the contact form because the whole goal, as I see it, what I, how I refer to a homepage of a website is we want customers to go from being compelled to contacting you and they never left the homepage. Hmm. Right. They can, you'll have interior pages. They'll have ad, but imagine being so good in your, in understanding the emotional journey of your customers that they don't need any more convincing. Yeah. That's the point of the home. So to me, the emotional journey is just that it's like understanding the emotions, what people are saying in their head so that you can set up the environment for the result that you want. I'm writing down on my to-do list right now. I need to redo my homepage. <laughs> which I've actually wanted to do for quite some time. And I was just like, yeah, but and I had some ideas of what I would, but I'm like, I'm just going to follow this framework now. It's great. And awesome. you've got me to call upon as a friend. I'm Love happy it. to help you. <laughs> it's yeah. great. It's amazing. Um, really good, really good stuff here, Jeff. So I, uh, you know, you've got a lot of, we've covered so many ideas and so many, you know, contextual frameworks and things that, that uh, people can already take action on. Of course, there's a lot more in the book. Like we didn't even get to go really in depth on habits or personal development, which as we've, as we've established are equally important to uh, the business strategy piece as well. So uh, that's where we invite everyone to check out um, the book. First book, Lingo, excellent, excellent book, Self-Employed uh, Life, also excellent, excellent book. I've had the opportunity to, um, to to go through both of them and highly recommend them. Otherwise, Jeff wouldn't be here on my show right now. <laughs> awesome. um, it's available. Now, I'm going to be getting this out. Uh, you know, I want to hopefully people will be hearing this right by the time your book is available shortly before. What's, what's the release date on Self-Employed Life? So the release date of the book is May 4th. Okay. Um, the other thing, you know, especially for your folks that, that you and I spoke about, if possible, is the, uh, the, the self-employed summit, yes. which is April, Thank April 12th and 13th. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, Say um, that one more time the date? April 12th and 13th okay. is the self-employed summit. And this is a result. I mean, the book was out in the hands of the publisher and, you know, Hey, we all want, first of all, the book is a fire hose to mm -hmm. your point. Like I wrote a book that I want people to leave on their desk. Like mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to read this book and apply everything. Yeah. It's meant is designed and written to be a resource guide that sits on your desk. You, if you, 
one week at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time, there's a strategy for you to apply. You yeah. can't possibly do it all at once. Um, but it's all there and it's all right size for your business. Um, so, but once the book was done, I was like, that's all well and good, but here's what stood out to me, you know, cause when I started writing this book, it was pre pandemic with everything that's changed in the world. I thought, you know, we need as a leader of, of the self-employed community, I needed to step up in a bigger way. So I decided to create this two day online summit. I called upon my 10 speaker friends that, I mean, this is my one favorite card. Like they will <laughs> never say yes to me again for anything <laughs> because they get paid tons of money for what they do because they're mm -hmm. that good. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, you do this for free. And they did it not just for me, honestly, they did it because they believe in the mission. Hmm. So on April 12th and 13th, we have five speakers each day. There's 10 speakers in total and they're going to cover topics as they're going to cover the ecosystem. And I strategically chose the speakers to cover the full spectrum of the self-employed ecosystem. So we've got sales and marketing and customer loyalty, uh, but we also have self-care. We also have mindset, uh, business model. It is designed amongst the 10 speakers that we actually hit on all three areas of the self-employed ecosystem. So by the end of two days, people have information that is holistic. Mm -hmm to be successful in self-employment, not just a chunk. Like we go to, we go to conferences and we get all the business strategies, right? Or we, we hire a coach or we go to a retreat, we get all the mindset. It's like, that's why we feel like we're running all over the place because nobody's put it together for us in one place. And that's what I, that was my objective in the book. And that's my objective at the summit that you get the whole ecosystem in one event over two days. Wonderful. Yeah. Good. It sounds like a good way to, to find the gap and find the information you might need to fill that gap, right? Yeah. So yeah. of course, podcasting is is time shifted. Everything else on this has been timeless, but we'll make sure we get this episode out uh, before that so that those who, you know, it's 2021 as we're recording this right now, um, can can check that summit out as well. But let's go ahead and give some, some links or where would you like people to go if they want to hear more about the book and the summit? So because I literally have built, you know, this is so macro, but I literally have built an, a, an ecosystem for self-employed people, not just in the book, um, but everything I do is right. So I created, so the place to go is uh, the selfemployedlife.me. Okay. And that has the book. It has the summit. It has resources, free resources. It has my advocacy group called the voices of the self-employed. Mm. Like literally my entire world of self-employed is at this, uh, the selfemployedlife.me. There's also a tool there which you can get on that page or you can get directly at selfemployedassessment.com. This I love. I've I've always wanted to have a tool. <laughs> you love frameworks, I love tools. Yeah. So this is a tool, it's an assessment tool. You answer six questions and the algorithm and it's it's a real algorithm. Like it's not just I hired somebody to build this algorithm to take these six answers and let you know where amongst the three areas of the ecosystem that you need to apply some effort and work and six customized insights to add to the value of what you need to do. So it's an assessment tool that will actually point you in the direction of where your gap is, and that's its intention. Wonderful. Um, I'll make sure all of this is also in the show notes for reference as well. Um, Jeff, thanks for all you do. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for sharing your uh, wisdom here today with uh, my audience and for this mission that you're on to help those of us who are self-employed, small businesses, you know, trying to do the best to make a life that we want and also make a difference in the world too. Just really appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. Well, you know, Jason, I appreciate you more than you probably realized. I've been podcasting for coming on seven years but you're like an originator of the world. <laughs> like you are the master of podcasting, online marketing. Like 
it just blows me away to know how long you have been in this game of not just podcasting, but online marketing. And that it just, it blows me away. I'm so impressed by that. So it's for me, it's an honor to be here and have this conversation with you. Well, you're, you're very kind. I appreciate that. So um, anyway, everyone check out the show notes, check out those links, uh, follow up with uh, the summit and, and the book. And uh, Jeff, look forward to the next time we get to chat. Indeed. Talk to you soon. After doing an interview for Impact, I like to sum up for you the most actionable takeaways that I drew from the conversation to give you some ideas of things you can go and execute on right away to see some results in your business. So there's a lot of really good stuff here in the conversation with Jeff, but there are three in particular that stuck out to me. And the first one is the idea of the customer loyalty program. Jeff Jeff urged us and anybody who has a business that's based on relationships to have some sort of benefit that is only offered to those who have already done business with you. And in fact, people don't even know about it until they become a client or customer. So it's a surprise in that effect. So what kind of benefit can you offer to existing and past clients and customers that strengthens that relationship and keeps you top of mind and delivering value to them in a meaningful way? Another idea I loved from our conversation was this idea of the step-up, step-down business model, as opposed to only having a product suite that goes up and up and up, like an escalator, where each purchase is increasing in size, and that's the only way to go is up. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that as well, but Jeff urged us also to have some kind of offer that they can step down to, that honors that life cycle that can ebb and flow of when they're ready to do business with us next. But if you have an easy commitment for them to make that keeps them around, then the next time they do have a substantial thing that they could enlist or engage your help with, you will be top of mind. They will readily remember the value that you deliver to them because you've continued to do so even between the bigger engagements. And a great way to do this is to offer some kind of recurring benefits and potentially something they even pay recurring to get access to. Jeff shared with us that he has a community that only passed coaching clients are able to get access to. And the third key takeaway for me was the emotional journey website map. We've talked before on impact about the customer awareness spectrum, which is one really valuable model for thinking about the customer journey, guiding people from that first moment that you gain their attention through all the steps of earning their trust, preparing them to want to buy, inspiring them to buy from you. And Jeff gave us a really great framework that you can use to structure a page from top to bottom. You can use this on your homepage. You could use this on a work with me page. It might even work well on an about page, but it has all of these steps that hit just the right notes at the right time, such that by the time they get to the bottom of the page, they're ready for that next uh, next call to action that moves them forward in the customer journey. So if you've been looking for a way to refresh some copy on your website, definitely consider using Jeff's Emotional Journey website map to help you do that. Now, I've created a downloadable guide, as I like to do with each episode, that sums up these three things and gives you some additional tips and ideas and questions that will help you to put these three things into action. So if one of these is spoken to you, I invite you to download the guide by going to impactdownloads.com forward slash Jeff Shaw impactdownloads.com forward slash Jeff Shaw. That's J-E-F-F-S-H-A-W. 
and you'll be able to enter your email and I'll immediately send you the guide that goes along with this episode. And of course, don't forget to grab a copy of Jeff's book by going to theselfemployedlife.me. On the next episode, I want to talk about strategy. I mean, we talk about strategy a lot on this show, but I'm talking about strategy with a capital S. What is it? How do you create a good strategy? And there are a lot of pitfalls that I see business owners fall into. The misuse of the word strategy gets thrown around quite a bit and used and abused to where it's lost some of its meaning, but it's really critical to understand how to be a proper strategist in your business. And we're going to talk about how to do that on the next episode. We'll talk to you soon.